Well, I think in year one and year two, really what we were trying to do that was different mm -hmm. was bring advisors together, not with the salespeople who sell technology, mm -hmm. but with the people who actually develop technology. Yeah. The whole premise of T3 was bring your developers to the booth, don't bring your mm -hmm. salespeople. 14 years ago, an up-and-coming journalist named Joel Bruckenstein had an idea to launch a technology conference just for financial advisors. Since then, the T3 Advisor Conference has grown from a small group of vendors selling photocopiers and bookkeeping services into a premier industry event where all the biggest software providers plan to launch their biggest announcements. I spoke with Joel and seven other experts in financial planning for this special edition live from the T3 Conference of the Wealth Management Today podcast. Thank you all for joining me here on this special episode of the Wealth Management Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Iskowitz, and I run a consulting firm called Ezra Group. We help wealth managers, asset managers, and wealth tech vendors make better business and technology decisions. And if you're a subscriber to the podcast, you already heard our first two episodes that were recorded live at the T3 Advisor Conference in San Diego, California. In fact, we recorded 24 interviews at the conference, and we couldn't squeeze them into just one episode, so we made three. This is the third part of our special conference coverage, and it's dedicated to financial planning. We brought together some of the top financial planning vendors, as well as a few innovative, smaller firms you may not be aware of. Uh, in case you missed the first two episodes, as I said, they were episodes 40 and 41, and you can go back and listen to them anytime on our blog at EzraGroupLLC.com, or you can find them on iTunes, just search Wealth Management Today. And on this episode, we have a terrific lineup of experts. They're sharing their thoughts and trends and updates on their products and uh, trends in the latest of wealth management technology. Uh, and you will hear in order Tony Steek from Advicent, uh, Aladdin Abugzala from ATA Risk Station, Andrew Altfest from FP Alpha, Kevin Hughes from InvestNet Money Guide, Drew DiMarino and Sarah Glacus. Uh, Drew is from Riskalyze and Sarah um, is an RIA uh, from Black Barn Financial. Uh, you also will hear Abraham Akusanya from Timeline App, uh, Joe Elsasser from Covisum, and finally, Joel Bruckenstein, uh, we all know. So uh, without holding up any longer, remember to give us a five-star review and like it on iTunes if you're enjoying this content. And now on to the highlights. And kicking off this uh, special episode of the Wealth Management Day podcast, we're starting off with none other than Mr. Purple himself. We all know him. He's Tony Steak. Chief Operating Officer at Advicent. And if you want to know why he's called Mr. Purple, just check out his LinkedIn profile photo and you will see what I'm talking about. I asked Tony a little bit about some of the things Advicent is doing uh, that they announced at the conference. Uh, they're expanding their practice management offerings. And he was talking about a little bit about that and why they're doing it. And also uh, how advisory firms need better process mapping if they expect to improve their advisor efficiency. So let's talk uh, advice and let's talk Navaplan sure. and other products. So for, you know, I know your products and, you know, you're one of the top uh, financial planning solutions on the market, but sure. talk about, give us a 30 second elevated pitch for people who aren't familiar. Yeah, so for those that aren't familiar, Advicent is the developer of th three financial planning softwares. 
Navaplan, Profiles, and Figlo. Uh, we're in about 10 countries on four continents. Uh, we service about 140,000 users globally. So we come from a position of thought leadership, working with all of our clients to advance not only industry, but financial planning software. So when you think about it, you know, these largest banks across the globe, largest insurance providers, all the way down to independent advisors use Navaplan in their practice. So you can talk a little, a little bit about why you moved into that space and how you're helping advisors. Sure, so we've done a lot of research and we've leveraged a lot of research. Um, we found an alarming statistic that almost two thirds of advisors do not have correct process mapping around providing financial plans. And what we're, see we're seeing this industry shift around the value of a plan. However, if advisors don't integrate that into their process, it won't be effective for them. They can't monetize that. And I believe that's the next, really kind of the next area of growth for clients or for, for advisors mm -hmm. is through monetization of fee-based services like a financial plan. That's their area of growth, monetizing yep. those services. Yes, yes. I mean, we've all heard it before, Craig, right? The 1% AUM, the fee compression stuff. I don't want to go over that again. We, it's, it's, it's a dead horse, but we need to look at ways to monetize our practice, but also to create a more sticky client base. And that's mm. through a genuine good financial plan. So we need to, as advisors, be better about creating the process and that workflow to provide financial plans for more people. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. Advisors are great at providing advice. They're not always great at business, right? And if you have a good process laid out intuitively of how and when to bring financial planning into the conversation, you'll be much more effective at monetizing that, right? There's a fear. Advisors are scared to charge for a financial plan. But we're moving into this fee-based industry model where we have to be confident about the plan and charging for that. So if you can improve that process, you can better demonstrate the value of the plan, which means you can then charge for it comfortably and confidently. Yeah, advisors shouldn't be scared because they're, they're adding value. Right. And if you're adding value, you should charge for it. Right, right. I almost liken it to, and I, I know this might be a, a cheesy cliche, but I almost liken it to purchasing a map, right? Mm -hmm. Back in the day when you needed to get somewhere, you bought a map mm -hmm. and you paid for it because you trusted that map. And this is no different. This is a financial- Now it's all free. We just plan. use the GPS. Right, <laughs> now it's a little different, which might be a disrupting idea. But the idea is if you can demonstrate the value of that plan, if you can lay out their financial map for them, mm -hmm. they'll gladly pay for it. In fact, studies show that 51% of the US population are, is willing to pay for a plan. I'm sure, Greg, you'd, Craig, you'd agree with me that the other 49%, they don't know the value of the plan yet. Otherwise, they would also be willing to pay for a plan as well. And I don't think a lot of advisors know that. Right. They don't because they're too scared to ask. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you can demonstrate that value. In fact, we have a great study on that in particular case. So, you know, there's varying levels of plans, right? We talked about the third wave and how that's kind of this mm -hmm. more comprehensive planning using goals-based and cash flow technologies, mm -hmm. a couple of data aggregation. What we're seeing is, so for instance, if you generate a targeted financial plan, which mm -hmm. means it's kind of surface level, but you know a lot about, you, you know a good amount about the client. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. On average, you can charge about a thousand bucks for that plan. Mm -hmm. If you're more comprehensive, not investing a lot more time, but just better understanding your client, you could charge more than twice that, over $2,000 for that plan huh. on average, on average. That's what your data is showing you. Right. So that's our data showing that Cerulli is actually suggesting as well. In mm -hmm. Neville plan, our average advisor that charged for planning actually charges $4,000 a plan. That's incredible. 
Yeah, because we have a more comprehensive, yes, more comprehensive software, which allows you to charge more because you're demonstrating that gamma better. So that's about the average for our NaviPlan users. Because your NaviPlan is more comprehensive. Correct, correct. And we've seen that in our in our reviews, because we do a lot right. of right. software reviews, and it's incredibly comprehensive, very granular. Thank you. Aladdin Abugazala is founder and CEO of ATA Risk Station, which is a provider of cloud-based risk management software. I met Aladdin at T3 Enterprise two years ago, and I was immediately intrigued with his approach to viewing risk across all advisors at the firm level. Uh, in this interview, I asked Aladdin about what he's seeing in the market uh, and how broker-dealers can react to pressure on their business model, as well as some of the trends that he's seeing from the risk data that they're gathering across the industry. ATA Risk Station starts as a client engagement uh, solution to help advisors and clients better understand not just the current risks in their portfolio, but how they've evolved over time and capturing the client's tolerance so that they can provide feedback that ultimately loads back into both the financial planning process and the compliance oversight. And we met a year ago, I think, at at T3 advisor last year. Mm-hmm. And I was really intrigued by your product uh, because there isn't really anything on the market like it as far as there's lots of risk, lots and lots of risk profiling tools, but they're all individual advisors doing their individual clients risk profile. There's nothing looking across advisors like an, at the enterprise level. Right. Our focus is very much on the enterprise side. Now, enterprises can be small or large, but mm-hmm. right now because of the deadline pressures of Reg BI, we're spending a lot of time on the larger end. Mm-hmm. And um, the our solution, because we're saving the data over how client portfolios uh, risk profile changes for every scenario every day, that data is incredibly helpful to enterprises trying to demonstrate oversight and compliance. The pressures on the broker-dealer business and operating models really come from a continuing need to define their relevance to both advisors and uh, clients because now it's very easy for large producer advisors to leave and start their own shops, which forces advisor payouts to rise, which again, presses uh, broker-dealer margins. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Clients and their children who will ultimately inherit this massive wealth that's Mm -hmm. transferring are not just expecting, but demanding better engagement via technology Mm -hmm. Um, the compliance pressures are also rising. So the broker-dealers really need to look, step back and look at this from a, not just how I comply with Reg BI, but how can I use this opportunity to enhance my value proposition and drive better outcomes for both the advisors and the clients. For certain types of portfolios, one of the things that has surprised me is, even though the market is making new highs, so everybody's sort of comfortable because nobody's getting a quarterly statement that's Mm -hmm. lower than the prior one. Mm -hmm. Uh, For certain types of portfolios, I'm seeing the the risk actually rise. So the projected uh, risk for a portfolio's behavior, if the market drops, Mm -hmm. say, 20%, is significantly higher now than it was a few months ago. And again, because it hasn't been recorded in a loss anywhere, Mm -hmm. people are just not aware of it. And I think that's an important conversation to have between an advisor and a client Mm -hmm. before a correction happens to understand that risk can rise while the market's making new highs. Andrew Altfest is founder and CEO of FP Alpha, 
which is a new AI-powered financial planning app that was launched at T3 Advisor Conference. Well, we talked a little bit about his firm, uh, what they do, some of the things he's seeing in the industry, and is it really AI that's powering his tool? How does it work? Uh, some of the underlying aspects of the technology. FP Alpha is the first artificially intelligent enabled software program for comprehensive financial planning. So we enable financial advisors to practice across 17 disciplines of financial planning while saving a tremendous amount of time. I didn't know there were 17 disciplines of financial planning. Yeah, if, if we just count all the things that we do for our clients <laughs> across legal areas and tax areas, can. yeah, and lending and insurance, right. oh, you'll, you'll get up to in, up to 17. Some of them are the, are the core areas we think about, and some of them are a little bit more niche areas that our clients right. care about, but yeah, seven, am I even including investments or retirement planning? There are a lot of great retirement tools out there, and they tell you if the client is on track uh, to hit their retirement goals. But all their other areas of financial planning, like estate planning and tax planning, mm-hmm. insurance planning, which are, of course, very much linked to retirement planning, are, are, are under the radar. And either the client is, it's not aligned with the client's goals and the client's um, mm-hmm. at risk of missing the goals or the client's mm-hmm. potentially paying too much in taxes, very sure. likely, or insurance premiums. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we do is we allow the advisor to identify these opportunities very quickly and to practice in all of these areas and to do this at scale is impossible. And no matter That's how true. intelligent we all are as advisors, you know these areas are very complicated and we need to simplify them to get to the best insights because opportunities are missed and our time is precious and limited and we wanna be able to hit on the things that are very important that could be uh, causing the client to be at risk. This is definitely um, artificially intelligent mm-hmm. technology. And so we do really uh, cool things like you can take a will and a revocable trust and drag and drop that into the software. Mm-hmm. And you can do the same thing with the tax returns and insurance policies. And the software reads those documents. And you can have a, a will that was 10 wills mm-hmm. drafted by 10 different attorneys. And it will read those documents and extract the key information and then combine that with the brains of all of these subject matter experts. Every advisor has 40 people looking at their particular client situation mm-hmm. to come up with the, the 24 hours ideas. a day, seven days a week. Yeah, it's, it's live. It's live planning. That's another key part of it, which is, you know, as a client, just as we learn as planners, as a client's finances change, their goals change, tax law changes, the software makes additional recommendations. And so we, we keep track of their, of their financial lives. Mm-hmm. And so we can drive a, a proactive experience. Mm. We're really, we're killing, with this software, we're killing the sacred cows that I grew up with. Let's kill them. If you've been to any T3 or any other technology conference in, in the industry, I'm sure you know my next guest, Kevin Hughes, Chief Growth Officer at InvestNet MoneyGuide. And he's been at MoneyGuide for over 12 years, so he knows his stuff when it comes to financial planning. We talked about one of my favorite new uh, tools and functionality that MoneyGuide has released, which is called Blocks. And uh, there we talked about the long-term care block. And we talked about how it creates probabilities of long-term care events occurring, uh, whether too much choice is a bad thing, 
as well as a new block they released this uh, this year at the T3 conference called the Lifestyle Goals Block. It's for clients to build their own goals and then import them back into their plans. So let's take a listen to Kevin Hughes. I think the big thing is is giving the client choice because what you what we all know is that we don't really know what's on their mind. And the great thing about blocks is maybe it's on their mind, but for somebody else. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of people ask us, well, can you hide blocks? You know, this is, we're going to send this out to, you know, a 40 year old. We don't really think they need the long-term care block, for mm-hmm. example. But if they click that long-term care button, mm-hmm. probably thinking about their parents and they do care about long-term care mm-hmm. for their parents. So there's this whole ecosystem that allows you to not have to, you, you can guess and you can try and predict what your client wants to mm-hmm. see. But if you predicted wrong, there's a lot of choice there. And the great thing about it is, you know, the, the entertainment user experience that this obviously clearly emulates uh, has proven that choice ain't such a bad thing. In fact, right. you know, put 15,000 videos in somebody's face and it turns out they're actually not as intimidated to pick mm. one. We use Milliman, one of the largest mm. actuaries in the world. Uh, so they do a ton with healthcare costs. They help mm. us with our healthcare costs that we use in Money Guide as well. But that's, mm. that's, you know, that's where we're getting our data from to run that. Yeah, and I can tell you that from I just had a went through a whole issue with my father who uh, recently passed where he had to go to a nursing home and it was just horrific. And because you know my parents didn't have this when they were uh, our ages, if I could say right, you know midlife um, to uh, understand whether they needed long term care insurance. Like my dad had twenty five thousand dollars in life insurance. That was it, right? Because no one no one talked. They didn't have an advisor who could show them this and explain how this worked to them. I'm the guy in his 40s who clicks on that LTC block for their parents. Mm. Both my grandpas had uh, five years in a secure nursing facility. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of money. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you you know, 10, 15 years ago, it was even more money. So a big thing with Money Guide, anybody that knows Money Guide, we're this goal-based planning Mm -hmm. software. I've been doing it for a long time. Got a lot of passion behind Mm -hmm. it. Uh, One of the biggest challenges is is how do advisors get good goals out of their clients? Mm-hmm. A lot of that rests on the client's shoulders, but they don't know what, I don't have a clue where to start. Mm-hmm. So, so we've created over the years and experimented in all sorts of ways, creative ways to get clients thinking about goals, prioritizing those goals and making sure that they're not just thinking of it in context of one big number. They're looking at mm-hmm. the stuff that's fun. I mean, mm-hmm. let's think about this a second. We're going on the longest vacation of our lives. Mm-hmm. Good God, can't it be the fun? Longest va- is that retirement? Yes. That's the longest vacation of our lives. Yes. Okay. Can't it be a blast? That's a good way to put it. Can think. it have, you know, the, the, the Make travel it a blast. goals? It should be really specific to what gets you jazzed up and mm-hmm. what gets you motivated. Right. So the challenge up to this point is that when you address goals and money guide, you're doing mm-hmm. it in the context of this big plan, mm-hmm. which there's nothing wrong with that. When somebody's ready for that, we got a great tool for it. When yeah. an advisor's ready to engage with long-term planning, we got mm-hmm. a great tool for that. But a lot of people don't necessarily want to commit to the whole process, if you mm-hmm. will, uh, to just talk about that, that basic idea of what their, their vacation is going to mm-hmm. look like in retirement. So we created this block uh, based on all the great things we do in Money Guide, which we mm-hmm. know so much about after 20 years of it. And, and now what we can do is say, look, here's a cool way to give the client access to build their own goals. They can come back, change it whenever they want. Mm-hmm. If you have a plan update meeting next year, you can give them the block. They can just mm-hmm. focus on that one thing. Mm-hmm. Takes them a couple of minutes to tweak here and there, and then you can bring that back in the plan when the advisor's ready. So they're not mm-hmm. like changing the recommendation. So it's integrated. You can just move the data fully right integrated. In. All the data moves completely back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it breaks things down in a really conversational way. 
gives people stats about different goals. Oh, excellent. Uses incredibly smart defaults. And that's something advisors never really had before. Is, an under, is, is you know, we, we had a portal, but there was, wasn't much on there. So you didn't really have a lot of data. And that's how every other industry works, is getting more data on your customers. But if you don't have anything for them to interact with, there's nothing to collect that's the data the thing. on. And the portal adoption isn't fantastic in our industry. No, it's like 20%. Yeah, it's okay at best. And then now we have a reason to keep them coming back mm-hmm. much better. Even better, we get to find out really what's on their mind when they do come back. Right. And, 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 you know, the thing that these portals do today, which is the biggest hard thing to balance is we're sitting there saying, don't look at your investments every day. You're in it for the long term, mm-hmm. yet we're giving you tools to do exactly that <laughs> bad habit. Right. Um, so we did a great job at Money Guide bringing that plan probability to, mm-hmm. to the portal experience, but mm-hmm. that's not enough. We need people to come in there and uh, want to come back. And, and that's exactly what Blocks delivers. It's a reason to come back and engage and, and think about things that you just would have right. never really thought of without seeing a cool uh, uh, movie block, if you will. And now it's time to take a break from the podcast for my favorite part, which is the sponsor. And the sponsor of this episode is the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation. Uh, this is a nonprofit that recognizes financial advisors for their exceptional charitable work. The nominations window for their 14th annual Invest in Others Awards is now open. If you know of a financial advisor who is actively giving back to his community or a community overseas, nominate them at www.investinothers.org forward slash nominate by April 3rd. And if you're an advisor and you'd like to have a chance at some additional funding for your charity or nonprofit, feel free to self-nominate, uh, again, at the same URL. The finalists in the awards, uh, the annual awards, receive $10,000 each. So every finalist gets $10,000. And the winners of each category, I think there are five or six different categories, each winner receives between forty dollars and $50,000 for their nonprofit. It's awesome. Uh, if your firm is interested in sponsoring the awards gala, be sure to check out the sponsorship opportunities on the IOI Invest in Others website. Personally, I've attended the gala the past two years, and it's an incredible event uh, held in Boston with nearly 700 financial professionals all coming together to celebrate the generosity of their own advisors. It's a great way to highlight the good that exists in our industry. Uh, please go to investinothers.org. And next up on this special episode of the Wealth Management Today podcast is Drew DiMarino, Chief Growth Officer at Riskalyze, and Sarah Glackus, Founder and Investment Advisor at Black Barn Financial, which is an RIA located in Austin, Texas. We talked about the benefits of the conference, uh, how uh, Sarah is using Riskalyze at her firm, and some of the things she did before she used Riskalyze, and how... uh, uh, some advice you would give to other advisors who are looking for similar tools. The benefit of this conference is a place for advisors to come to go to see who are the best in breed technology partners that have deep integrations with each other so that advisors can you know, leverage those integrations to be efficient with their practice. Uh, one of our panelists gave uh, an amazing testimonial um, where he said he left a large insurance broker dealer where he was able to cut his bring his clients over with him, but he was able to cut his clients' fees in half while doubling his revenue and his profit margin. So it's that type of efficiency through the use of the the, the best-of-breed technology 
um, uh, that Risk Alliance allows for, and Sarah as well has uh, some great testimonials as well. Anytime you're getting up a learning curve with any software package, I think you need to understand the thought process that the developers put into it. And that's, you know, I've got a lot of help on that with having people explain to me what the rationale was behind the way the autopilot was set up. So that as I was going through the tutorial, or as I was going through the training, I could understand why it was set up the way it was. And that makes a world of difference when you're trying to go through it on your own and trying to make it a consistent piece of your process. So they didn't just dump the software on you and say, so long. Right, they didn't just dump it on there, exactly right. And so that has been, again, it's what makes it easy for me to use as the end user. I think a lot of companies can miss that piece, but I really, really appreciate that. And, and the support team gets back to me as soon as I need support. I feel like it, it went from being you know, a beginner or a, you know, an amateur to be, becoming a professional, mm -hmm. right? It's making that step and that investment uh, to be able to see where and how the growth is going to happen. You know, I know some of the, you know, some of the numbers that are thrown out about, you know, how many relationships can you have in your firm? How many close relationships can you have with, with clients? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're capped at 100 or 150, you know, for, you have to be able to show clients and develop that deep and meaningful relationship with as many people as you can in order to be as profitable as you can. And that's, um, you know, when it comes down to it, that's the name of the game. So how long have you been using Autopilot? That's a good question. When did it launch? What year is it now? Uh, 2020? I don't know if I signed up right off the bat, but I was probably pretty, pretty, pretty close, early. probably 2018. What did you do before then? Oh, I, I, I would be embarrassed to even say. I mean, I think it was an Excel spreadsheet, spreadsheet right? Or even maybe like handwritten notes, right. uh, you know. Then you uploaded the spreadsheet to yes, the custodian. Yes, and we're one of those one of those firms who's vain enough to have, you know, custom portfolios for all of our clients. Mm -hmm. So it was okay at the time because we were so small. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have 35 households, maybe you right. can have 35 Excel spreadsheets mm -hmm. and, you know, check off what trades need to be made. But as soon as you look forward into the future, you're like, this mm -hmm. is not going to work if we are going to have a life, if any of us are going to have lives. Sure. So I think it came into my life at just the right time when I thought, okay, now this is the tool that I can use to scale. More than that, it's how does their ability or inability to take on risk how does that flow through to their expected rate of return? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, that is what drives the projections that pop up in the retirement map, or the, you know, that pop up in, you know, in, in any number of places. And so, when they're taking risk, it makes it a more mindful decision that okay, we are taking this amount of risk. We're going this fast if you're using the risk number, and we're doing it because we want to or need to get this expected rate of return, mm -hmm. so that we're all on the same page. And, and we're all mindfully making those decisions. If there's some advice you can give to other small advisors who are looking at risk profiling tools, what would you say to them? I'd say pay for software that works. Hmm. And don't pay for software that doesn't work. I <laughs> <laughs> think risk laws works. I do think it works. My next guest is Abraham Akwasanya who is founder and CEO of Timeline App. It is a new, a relatively new program available now for advisors, and it's in the financial planning space. Um, we talked about some of the features that they announced at T3, including uh, the ability to manage a sustainable withdrawal rate in retirement for clients. 
as well as another function that is new uh, in the timeline app called Live Track, and why it's such a big change and why it's important for financial planning tools to do monitoring of the plans and how things change. So we've just announced, um, you know, the timeline app live track. So this is the automated um, sustainable withdrawal rate tracking that we've just introduced. And yeah, we've we've received a lot of feedback from advisors and, and planners about it. So excited to be here. So why is sustainable withdrawal rate so important? Absolutely, great question. So essentially, you know, if you th- think about how advisors approach retirement distribution generally, um, the so-called 4% rule is by far the most commonly used framework around retirement distribution. Mm. Well, th- that's great news, um, but actually there is extensive research around the sustainable withdrawal rate framework. Mm. Obviously, this research started when Bill Bengen wrote his first paper, which is now known as the 4% rule, but there are, um, you know, just additional body of work around that space. You know, the, the, the reality is that this research is no good to us mm-hmm. on the pages of financial Throw planning. Out, no uh, absolutely. So the idea is that, you know, what we've done with Timeline is enable advisors, personalize the this incredible body of work to add value to their clients' retirement journeys. That's what Timeline does, and that's what we specialize in. So, you know, as, as they say, plans are useless. Mm-hmm. Planning is obviously in, invaluable. Sure. Uh, and so it's one thing to build a plan or to, to create a strategy mm-hmm. around distribution. Well, it's another thing to make sure that that plan is up to date and that the client's goals and objectives are, are constantly being assessed to, make, to, to ensure that they're on track. So what Timeline mm-hmm. does is to pull data from you know, the advisor's custodial pl- or portfolio management platform mm-hmm. or CRM systems, right. and on an ongoing basis, frankly, on a, on a, on a weekly basis, Timeline pulls data of the, the portfolio balance, the um, asset allocation, the withdrawal from, from the portfolio, mm-hmm. and reassesses the plan on, on an ongoing basis and send automated alerts mm-hmm. back to the planner to ensure that um, you know the 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 plan is is on track. Yeah. Well, knowing a lot about financial planning as we do at my firm, that sounds unique because none of the other companies do that. None oh, of the thank other products you. Do that that I know. Of. They don't really. They they may have a little bit of monitoring, mm. but not that sort of proactive monitoring on a weekly basis. And that's what's kind of the key of not just making a plan that gets stuck in a drawer, but something that's dynamic. Absolutely. You know, we, we make promises to the client. Mm-hmm. When you onboard a client, you know, one of the things you said to them is that we're going to be your guiding angel. We're going yeah. to make sure that, you know, your, your plan is on track and we will suggest mm-hmm. or, or recommend cost corrections. You know, if sure. there are changes that you need to make to your plan, we would we would recommend it to you. The current um, state of financial planning, unfortunately, Unfortunately, is that we might have to wait a year, yeah. um, you know, before we see the client, before yeah. we, you know, update the plan. And you remember, um, oh yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah, tell you uh, this. Absolutely. Yeah, so what Timeline does or LiveTrack does is to, you know, take that process back to um, essentially what is a, a dynamic process um, and, and we let technology do the heavy lifting while the advisor can spend more time, um, you know, with the clients.
and a firm that's been around a while but sort of flew under the radar in the financial planning space is Covisum. And I have Joe Elsasser, who is the founder and CEO of Covisum, next on the program. We talked a bit about how Covisum works, some of the tools. It's a collection of different modules that can be used together or separately. We talked about social security optimization and how it can be improved, as well as how software can help advisors to understand the interactions and tax implications of different income streams in retirement. Covisum started out actually as social security timing. That was our first financial planning product. And from there, we introduced additional tools. Tax Clarity helps advisors identify interactions between different income streams and unusual tax results. Uh, Smart Risk helps identify downside exposure in portfolios. And Income Insight helps an advisor bring it all together into a comprehensive plan. And these are all separate modules they can buy individually or together? Absolutely. So you mentioned the Social Security. I think that's so important for a lot of people who aren't upper affluent. They're just mass affluent, and they, they rely on that as a big part. So what's the, what are some of the numbers that you're seeing from your software that's uh, the, the, the advice, the, not the advice, the delivery of good decisions in Social Security and things like tax loss harvesting? Sure. If Social Security... It's not uncommon. I think a lot of advisors are put off by the rule changes that happened back in 2015 mm-hmm. and thought, eh, this is no longer a thing that is so relevant. Mm-hmm. What's funny is we regularly and continually see $80,000 or more of present value difference between a good strategy and a poor one for a married couple. Those numbers are a little smaller for people who are divorced or widows, but they're meaningful. So how is that number manifested? Where is the value coming from? Is it increased Social Security payments? or So the way we look at the lifetime value of a Social Security decision is by taking the present value of all those cash flows that happen out to whatever the specified life mm-hmm. expectancy is. So it's pretty common for you know life expectancies for a male, for advisors to be using 87, 90, 92 for a female uh, is the most common in our system. So just discounting those back to today's value gives us the difference between claiming early and following some sort of strategy. So how does your system differ than other systems out there? I mean, all the major financial planning tools have some sort of social security. Well, not all, but a couple of them do. Social security optimizers. The ones that are embedded into the major financial planning tools I would say lack a lot of critical functionality. Mm -hmm. Some of the biggest functionality that is missing is a detailed look at the earnings test. So when you have, particularly a married couple, you might have one member of the couple continuing to work and that influences their decision, which in turn influences the spouse's decision. So being able to accurately account for the earnings test is a big deal and it's not in most of the financial planning softwares. Mm -hmm. Some of the other nuances are Things like recalculations when you work after having started collect social security benefits, uh, the earnings penalty, being able to say, "Hey, I might not, I might want to go ahead and claim this year, even though I'm going to miss the first four checks of the year because I'll be slightly over the earnings limit, but not so far over it that I'll wipe out my entire year." Sometimes that kind of election can make a five, seven thousand dollar difference, and you know, for I, I don't think I have a single client that wouldn't pick five grand up off the floor if they saw it sitting right there. Absolutely. And that advisors need ways to justify their fees. Absolutely. This is going to be a great way to do that. Indeed. What about, um, you mentioned your products and uh, talk about tax clarity. How does that work? And what are the, you were talking about numbers of the the brackets, 
and the, what bracket they're in now versus what they're fa facing for their effective marginal rate. How does that work? Yeah, I, I think every advisor has been in that position where they got a tax return back and the client said, what the heck happened? And the advisor <laughs> says, I don't know. And tax clarity is, about, is a process that helps identify the interactions between different income streams. And the big ones in retirement are social security, interacting with ordinary income, IRA withdrawals, pensions, et cetera, and capital gains. And that jump in the capital gains bracket from the zero to 15% bracket. Where people really get surprised is that someone who's TurboTax or H&R Block Return, even BNA would tell them they're in a 12% tax bracket. They can be losing 50 cents on the dollar to federal income tax because of how that interaction happens. Interesting. So you run into situations where, you know, for example, in, in my own practice, we literally run a tax map for every client in every annual review. We show them where they are mm -hmm. and any pitfalls they might encounter that year. You'll get situations like a client that says, hey, I'm gonna buy an RV, which account should I take it from? Mm -hmm. And the advisor's default answer is always the non-qualified account. Right. Sometimes that's not the right answer. Yeah. Sometimes we should be taking from the IRA. Sometimes we should be taking the low basis assets instead mm -hmm. of the high basis assets. Those are real ways to add quantifiable value. Mm -hmm. And finally, wrapping up this third episode from the T3 Advisor Conference is none other than the founder of T3, Joel Bruckenstein. And as I said, Joel founded T3 Advisor Conference and the T3 Enterprise Conference and runs them both. In this interview, we spoke a bit about how uh, the T3 ecosystem has evolved, how it's changed over, over the years, and also the influx of new vendors uh, offering artificial intelligence uh, applications or existing vendors enhancing their tools with artificial intelligence and how that's changing the way advisors do their business, as well as uh, inclusion and diversity. Uh, great to see at the T3 conference, they're leading the way uh, with inclusion and diversity, uh, a number of all-women panels, uh, all women custodial panel, all women panel with uh, with Joel. Uh, with this is the kind of things we need more of the industry. And we talk a bit about that and wrap up the conference. I hope you enjoyed it. And here's Joel. Well, I think really this is the first year that you've seen AI being used in a meaningful way mm -hmm. um, in software for the advisors. Rather than just saying, well, we're AI. Right. When it's really not, it's just an algorithm or something. It's not true. AI. So you have Benjamin, which is a virtual assistant, mm -hmm. more of a back office thing. Again, what FP Alpha is doing, I think with AI, mm -hmm. to really tee up key conversations for advisors and also to make sure that nothing slips through the cracks, amazing. In just a little while, we have Case talking about how they're using AI for training and education, which I think is fascinating and which I think will be successful. So just there, there's three, oh, oh wait, I forgot about Einstein, right? How could you forget about that? Einstein, I mean, some of the things that Salesforce is doing with Einstein, right. I think are very, very clever. They're one of the leaders in the AI space. Yeah, and it really adds value for advisors. Mm -hmm. So for me, there's four great examples that really didn't exist a little while ago right. of how AI is being applied to help advisors serve their clients better. Yeah, it's, it's changing categories. It's creating brand new categories that yes. didn't exist just a few years ago. Well, FP Alpha is a new category. Yeah. What, what would you categorize that? I mean, AI it's kind of hard, planning? yeah. it's. It's AI-assisted planning. It's almost a virtual pl virtual power planner, if you want to think about it that way. Well, I think in year one and year two, really what we were trying to do that was different mm -hmm. was bring advisors together, not with the salespeople who sell technology, mm -hmm. but with the people who actually develop technology. Yeah. The whole premise of T3 was 
bring your developers to the booth, don't bring your mm -hmm. salespeople. Mm -hmm. And that worked very well for a while. Mm -hmm. But as this conference grew and as the ecosystem grew, it became, it's morphed into other things as well. Mm -hmm. So we call it the T3 Advisor Conference because the whole purpose of this conference is to serve advisors. Mm -hmm. But it's not just about having advisors. Mm -hmm. We love advisors. We have over 350 advisors here. Right. But we have 800 people here. Mm -hmm. And so who are these other people? They're people who develop software for advisors. Mm -hmm. And they're here to obviously meet advisors, mm -hmm. but also to integrate with other producers, vendors who serve advisors. We have consultants who go out into the field mm -hmm. and spread the word, you know, whatever they've learned here mm -hmm. to hundreds of people, if not thousands. Mm -hmm. We have broker-dealer execs who only used to come to Enterprise, now coming to Advisor, to get an early look at emerging technologies that we mm -hmm. usually don't deliver at Enterprise because mm -hmm. we don't think they're ready to be sold to an Enterprise yet. Right. But it's a great idea, and maybe they just want to get in earlier. Getting a heads up. Getting a heads up. We have private equity people here. Mm -hmm. We have stock analysts here. And all of these people are fueling the ecosystem that fuels advisor advancements. Mm -hmm. So all of them are part of what makes the technology that runs advisor practices. Mm -hmm. And we're happy to have them all and we want more of all of them. So we really made an effort this year to highlight, you know, diversity. Mm -hmm. We've made a real effort to highlight women in tech. Mm -hmm. And I think you see that on a couple of the panels. I My panel, mm -hmm. three multi-billion dollar advisory firms talking about cutting edge versus bleeding edge technology, mm -hmm. all women on the panel. Mm -hmm. Custodial panel, all women. Mm -hmm. And both of those sessions were awesome. Absolutely. So, you know, we think they're not getting the recognition they deserve, and we're trying to help with that. Same thing with the students. We had a very diverse group of students here presenting and competing, and we want more of that. Hey, it's Craig again, just wrapping things up. Uh, I hope you got a lot out of this third of three podcasts from the T3 Advisor Conference. Remember, if you like these podcasts, give us a like uh, anywhere you see it, so share it on social media, give us five stars on iTunes, post some comments, love to hear what you thought, who was your favorite guests, what um, was the key pieces of uh, key takeaways for you. Um, please keep listening and I'll talk to you again next week. 